Hello everybody and welcome to Don't Bust My Bubble with me, your host Josh Ascroft. In today's episode of the show, we're going to be breaking down all of the important games from yesterday. So that's Raptors at Heat, Nuggets at Thunder, Grizzlies at Pelicans, and Lakers at Jazz. As well as, of course, giving you your daily injury report and today's preview of games for August 4th. So let's kick things off with our injury report for today. So, kick things off this morning. We have the Nets versus the Bucks at 1:30 Eastern Time. For that, Jarrett Allen is out. He is resting. Joe Harris is out with right hamstring slash lower back tightness, and Karis Lever is out with a left thigh contusion. For the uh, Bucks. Uh, Wesley Matthews is out with some soreness in his right calf. Coming up at 2.30 Eastern Time, we have Dallas at Sacramento, where Seth Curry is doubtful due to soreness in that right leg of his. Uh, For the Kings, continued, uh, as we've seen with all of the other injury reports for the Kings, Marvin Bagley is out with no update there. Uh, For the Clippers, Montrezl Harrell is still out with Lou Williams now being listed as questionable rather than out, so I wouldn't expect to see him in today's game. However, um, hopefully we'll be seeing him soon. If he's moved from out to questionable, hopefully questionable, then leads to probable, and there we go, we'll have Lou Williams back. On the Sun side of things, Kelly Oubre Jr. is still out. Then Orlando at Indiana, a game I'm sure you are all hyped to be watching Jonathan Isaac is out due to that left knee torn ACL that he suffered uh, in the previous Magic game. For Boston at Miami, we do not yet have an injury report submitted as of this time. However, I would assume that Kemba Walker will continue to be on a minutes restriction. Uh, On Houston at Portland, which is my game for the day to be watching, the Houston Rockets have Bruno Caboclo out, and Eric Gordon is also out due to that left ankle sprain he suffered. For the Trailblazers, just Jalen Adams, who is now listed as probable with some pain in his lower back. That does it for the injury report for today, so let's move things on and talk about the best games from yesterday. We'll kick things off by talking about Raptors at Heat, which was a great game with the Raptors winning 107 to 103, and don't they look good? But let's kick things off with our box score breakdown. So, for the Raptors, a phenomenal performance, a career high from Fred Van Fleet with 36 points on 8 of 16 shooting from the field, going 7 of 12 from 3 and 13 for 13, 100% from the charity stripe, along with 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal. What a game from Fred Van Fleet, one of my absolute favorites on the Raptors. Uh, Giving another good performance, uh, Pascal Siakam, who seems to be rounding into form in the bubble. He had 22 points on 7 of 14 shooting, 4 of 7 from 3. Also pulling down 6 rebounds, dishing out 3 assists and grabbing a steal as well. Another good uh, defensive performance from OG Ananobi. He didn't have a very good... A game from the offensive side of the floor with just seven points going one of five from the field. But another important defensive uh, showing from him. We also had 15 points from Serge Ibaka and 14 points from Kyle Lowry, who didn't shoot very well from the field but was 100% from the free throw line going nine for nine 
and grabbing another impressive eight rebounds. So good, good work from Kyle, as well as two blocks. So nice stuff from Kyle Larry. great stuff from the Raptors, another stellar defensive performance from them. On the Heat side of the ball, uh, definitely sharing the wealth, so to speak, in this scoring uh, with multiple players, uh, six even, scoring in double digits. The leading scorer was Goran Dragic off the bench with 25 points, who went 9 of 14 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, also grabbing 5 rebounds, dishing out 5 assists. So a good performance from him. Uh, who else performed well? So Jimmy Butler had a decent game, 16 points, 4 of 9 from the field, 8 of 8 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals and also 2 blocks, so a another good defensive performance by Jimmy Butler, but still not shooting the ball particularly well, which is what we saw throughout this season from him. Uh, Jay Crowder had a good game, uh, starting as well, which is not something that I was expecting necessarily from, from Jay Crowder. Uh, had 16 points, 6 of 14 from the field, 4 of 10 from 3, uh, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal. Uh, Duncan Robinson had a really poor game for the Heat, uh, only scoring 3 points, 1 of 5 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3. Didn't play in uh, any crunch time minutes whatsoever, as we've come to expect from Duncan when the Heat need a 3-point bucket. Eric Spolstra just not really trusting him yesterday, clearly having an off game with that, that shooting arm. Bam Adebayo had 10 points, uh, 5 of 9 from the field, uh, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, and a block. So uh, decent performances all the way around. Kelly Olynyk also putting in good minutes off the bench. Uh, 31 minutes, in fact, so he's playing a lot of time off the bench. Uh, putting up 17 points, hitting 4 threes, so a good performance from him. So let's talk about what's going on with, with both of these teams. So the Raptors are uh, second in the East. The, the Heat are fourth in the East, uh, and this was a really good matchup. I think that it was a good test of both teams. I think that my main takeaway from this game is that the Heat, right now, at least with the level that Jimmy Butler is playing at, don't have that key uh, closing score that they really need. Jimmy Butler has not been shooting the ball well at all this year. I think that it's something that hopefully we'll, we'll see materialize in the playoffs, the Heat, in my mind here, while a lot of the time they're able to, against uh, less competent teams that they play, they're able to exploit them by having Jimmy drive. They've got great shooters on the team in Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn can knock it down, Jay Crowder, Kelly Olynyk, Tyler Harrow. The list really does go on. Um, for, for great scorers on that team. The Toronto Raptors, however, just have such a stellar defense that I think that it, it really it really shuts a lot of teams down in ways they, they aren't necessarily expecting. Um, the Heat, uh, sorry, the Raptors do a great job of defending the paint, um, and they also do a good job of taking away uh, easy corner threes uh, as well. They're, they're really good at defending the corner three. Um, the Heat, you would expect would take advantage of some of the Raptors uh, not even lacking in perimeter defense. I think they have really good perimeter defense, but they do give up a decent amount of threes, and the Heat weren't able to capitalize on that yesterday in the way that they they have been able to um, with, with other teams that they play. Uh, for example, while the Heat were able to score 42.5% from three, the, the Raptors matched that, scoring 43.3 and making another two, um, 
I'm sorry, I was reading the wrong statistic there. I was going to say that that isn't even the point that I want to be making. The The Heat scored uh, 31% from three, going 14 for 45. The Raptors making only two more threes from that, but on significantly less attempts, uh, going 50% from the field. Uh, th- that's where the biggest discrepancy in this ca- uh, in this game really came, because the actual field goal percentages are around the same, 43.3 for the Raptors, 42.5 for the Heat. So, really, uh, the the Heat didn't have a bad game on most ends of the floor. They went 15 for 16 from the free throw line. Uh, they only grabbed two less rebounds. They had 10 more assists than the Raptors, uh, three more steals, five more blocks, less turnovers, more fast break points, more points in the paint. So, really, the place that they got eaten up was the fact that they, could not, uh, they couldn't perform on the three-point uh, yesterday, whereas Toronto was able... To capitalize on that, uh, scoring, you know, two more threes on significantly less attempts, really making the most of the open opportunities that they got. Um, not to mention the fact that that they're just. It's hard to put into words what the Toronto Raptors have, but it's sort of what I was alluding to uh, two days ago when they played. Is that they're just such a fantastic team. They take real pride in their defensive performances. They're not afraid of anyone. They're willing to bend and adapt. I think it's outrageous that Nick Nurse didn't end up being one of the coaches of the year, missing out on a tie with Mike Budenholzer um, and uh, Coach Donovan from the OKC. Um, I think that it's pretty outrageous that um, Nick Nurse didn't get I mentioned that simply because of the fact that he's coached this Toronto Raptors team so well and uh, they're, they're so willing to adapt and change their defensive schemes um, in order to, to meet the criteria for whatever another team is presenting them with. So I'm actually feeling really great about the Toronto Raptors and as each day goes on, the, the more I think like, wow, gosh, maybe... Maybe the Raptors are going to be my team to to make it out of the East. As of right now, for me, it's still the Bucks. But with the way that the Raptors are playing, with the sort of next uh, next man up mentality of you know whoever's next is going to be yeah for whatever happens next, someone's going to step up and be our leading scorer. I think that I think that it's really impressive. There there was never really a point, despite the fact that this game was close. There was never a point in this game, actually, where I thought that the Raptors weren't in control. It, it felt like, um, particularly, that their guards were able to do whatever they wanted to. Uh, like, specifically, Fred Van Fleet could go wherever on the floor he was trying to get to. And the Heat just didn't have that closing guy. They, they weren't able to perform well on the three-point shot, despite the fact that they had some really good open looks. So, for the Heat, off-shooting night... Otherwise, probably could have been an even closer game, maybe with the Heat even having the potential to win. But the Raptors really delivered. Uh, they couldn't dominate the paint in a way that they they sometimes can with uh, Siakam driving through the lane, uh, Serge Ibaka, Marc Gasol. However, great performance from the three-point line, and as we know in the modern NBA, a lot of the time that's all you need. Uh, so good performance, Raptors win. Let's move on and talk about Nuggets at Thunder. Nuggets walk away with that win, 121-113. to 113. Let's break down that box score. So on the Nuggets side of the ball, Michael Porter Jr. 
uh, Mr. Coronavirus is a hoax and does not believe in it, uh, had a great game, so maybe his lack of vaccinations hasn't affected him too badly. Uh, he scored 37 points, going 12 of 16 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3, 9 of 9 from the free throw line with 12 rebounds. So a really impressive performance from him. Jokic had a very Jokic game with a 30-point triple-double. So he had exactly 30 points, going 10 of 21 from the field, 10 of 11 from the free throw line, had 12 rebounds, 10 assists, and 2 steals. So a phenomenal game from the Joker. Then Paul Millsap and Monte Morris both had 17 points. Uh, other than that, everyone on the Nuggets had between 3 and 6 points. On the Thunder side of the ball, uh, pretty even scoring. Uh, Chris Paul had 23 points, going 8 of 17 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3, with 2 rebounds and 8 assists. Shea Gilgis-Alexander had 24 points, 6 of 13 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, 9 of 11 from the charity stripe, 5 rebounds and 2 assists. And Danilo Gallinari also had 20 points, 6 of 14 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3. Uh, everyone else on the Thunder went between uh, 2 points and 13 points, uh, with Shabazz Nader, uh, not Shabazz Napier, what am I saying, with Nader scoring 13 points off the bench there for them. Uh, Dennis Schroeder was missing from this game due to uh, the birth of a, uh, I believe, baby boy for him. So congratulations for Dennis Schroeder. Definitely, definitely relevant to the Thunder's loss in this game, though. I thought that with Schroeder, uh, the Thunder could have taken more of an advantage of the fact that the Nuggets are really weak at the guard position right now. Um, they still have not had Jamal Murray return to play. Uh, due to uh, a prior injury that he's been suffering from. So I think that um, the OKC Thunder really could have taken advantage of that lack of depth at the guard position had they been able to run their regular uh, three-point guard lineup that they like to go to specifically at the end of games. I think that they really could have exploited some mismatches there because they did throughout the game. I thought that Chris Paul showed his usual tenacity and absolutely loved it whenever he got switched on to a bigger player. He was more than happy to shoot uh, not even really contested mid-range jumpers. With the separation that he's able to get off the dribble, they're not even that contested shots. And he's so good at them that I don't mind seeing him take them. And uh, I doubt Billy Donovan does either. But yeah, uh, Chris Paul was giving Bol Bol buckets, which was really entertaining to watch. I thought that was a lot of fun, with Bol Bol only getting to play four minutes in this game again, which is a shame. I thought we are going to be seeing more Bol Bol, but I guess they are giving limited Bol minutes, which is real, really, really sad. But hopefully we'll get to see more of him as, as the season goes on for the Nuggets. That was my main takeaway, though, really, for, for the Thunder was just uh, they couldn't play exactly like they've been used to be playing. They didn't have their same closing lineup, and that's ultimately, I think, what uh, kind of screwed them over at the end. They, they had a really great game, and they had a great opportunity to win before going into overtime, and I think that the reason they weren't able to deliver is because they didn't have that usual lineup. Schroeder offers them such a defensive presence in the guard position. I think that really could have helped them uh, lock down um, some of the Nuggets players. I think that Schroeder also has the potential to guard bigger guys. He could have gone up 
to small forward. Maybe you can even play him some minutes on Michael Porter Jr., which could have helped slow him down. So really, I don't think that this was anything to be concerned about for the Thunder. Uh, nice opportunity for the Nuggets to get a win. Uh, but for the Thunder, I, I wouldn't be worried. I think really once you get Schroeder back into the mix, uh, I think you continue to see your guys play really well in the in the clutch because they did. They hit some big shots in the clutch. They just weren't able to close. And I think that that came from the unfamiliarity of not having Schroeder out on the floor there. And I don't think that's the end of the world. I think that this really was a good uh, learning opportunity. I think that for whatever reason, if one of the point guards for the Thunder gets injured, then I think that you know you can rely on the fact that we, we have been in a close game toward um, where we haven't had one of our main guards out there. And we've learned from that situation, uh, and we can we can move from that. So I think that given given the mismatches that Denver had, I thought that OKC did a really good job of staying in the game, and I think they actually would have won the game with Schroeder. Um, it's just tough when you've got a, a lot of short point guards on your team, and you're going up against the likes of a Michael Porter Jr. and a Nikola Jokic. So uh, nothing to be too concerned about for the Thunder. Good win for the Nuggets. Let's move on and talk about Grizzlies versus Pelicans, Jar versus Zion, with the Pelicans walking away with a 109 to 99 win in regulation. So let's break down the box score, kick things off with the Pelicans. So Zion has been unleashed to some capacity. He got to play 25 minutes last night. He had 23 points on 9 of 21 shooting, 5 of 10 from the free throw line. Not great. Seven rebounds, five assists. Brandon Ingram, his running mate, scored 24 points. Eight of 16 from the field, so a really efficient game from him. Looking uh, more like the Brandon Ingram we saw for that first game in the bubble, looking like a Kevin Durant light. He went two of four from the three-point line also. Seven rebounds, five assists, and two steals. Uh, Other than that, just some good... All-round performances, Drew Holiday had 15 points, Josh Hart had 15 points, J.J. Redick had 16 points. Uh, Good all-round performance from the Pelicans, but of course we have to bring up the fact that Lonzo Ball is continuing to really struggle, specifically shooting the ball with just 7 points today on 2 of 7 shooting from the field, 2 of 7 from 3, 1 of 2 from the free throw line. Dished out another six assists. He even had four steals and four rebounds. So Lonzo really suffering on the offensive end of the floor. Still putting in great performances on the defensive end. But if the Pelicans are going to want to continue winning games, they're going to need Lonzo Ball to score more than seven points if he's going to be out there for 35 minutes. Obviously, it's going to help him a lot. Zion out there, he's going to be able to dish out more assists. Uh, I've said from the beginning that Zion... um, really opens up Lonzo's potential as a player, uh, gives him a great target to be throwing lobs to, uh, to be moving uh, quickly in fast-break situations. He can dish that. Zion has the passing ability to be able to dish it back to him as well, uh, giving Lonzo some more open looks a lot of the time when Zion can draw several defenders. So hopefully we're going to see him open that game up more. He, it just looks like he's been really struggling to, to shoot the ball. Really strange that he only shot three-point attempts in this game, too, and that he didn't take it to the rim at any point. Uh, let's talk about the Grizzlies, and then we'll, we'll break down this game a little more. 
Uh, so for the Grizzlies, leading scorer was Jaron Jackson Jr., who's been having a really great time of it in the bubble. He scored 22 points on 7 of 17 from the field, going 2 of 8 from 3, so nice to see that he is still chucking up those threes. Only two rebounds, which is curious, and two assists, also two blocks and a steal. Other than that, this is the reason why the Grizzlies really struggled. That Their offense just didn't really come to play. I didn't think they even had bad defense against what I would consider a, a pretty skilled offensive team when they want to be in the Pelicans. But Ja really struggled. He had just 11 points, shooting 5 of 21 from the field, 1 of 10 from 3, so rough for him. He still got out 8 assists and 5 rebounds, though. Uh, Dylan Brooks, 15 points, not bad. Jonas Valanciunas, 13 points with 13 rebounds, so not bad there. Uh... Allen had 17 points, Grayson Allen, 17 points on 6 of 10, uh, six of ten from the field, 5 of 6 from 3 off the bench. Uh, Brandon Clark with 10 points. I thought that he was looking good, uh, especially early on in the game. He also grabbed 8 rebounds. But really, what, what went wrong for the Grizzlies here? Because I don't think it's even necessarily what the Pelicans did right. I, I think the, the Pelicans showed up, which was nice because that's sort of what we've been lacking from them in the bubble so far. They looked so defeated in the last game that they played, so definitely a nice thing to see them come out with with a desire to win. But let's break down a couple of statistics and see if we can figure out exactly what went wrong for the Grizzlies. So they shot really badly, and it wasn't just from a good Pelicans defense, because the Pelicans aren't even that good of a defensive team for a lot of the time. Uh, so the Grizzlies shot just 40% from the field, Pelicans shot 45 Where the Grizzlies were really hurt, they shot 28% from three with the with the Pelicans shooting 38. The, the Grizzlies actually making one more three, but because of the way that um, the Pelicans are able to dominate in other, in other areas um, on the offensive end of the floor... They they just weren't able to deliver, honestly. I feel bad for the Grizzlies here. They just had a really bad night uh, shooting it. The main discrepancy, though, coming from the three, uh, the free throw line. Right now, other than Ja, the Grizzlies don't have a guy who can draw a lot of free throws. Jaron Jackson Jr. can. It doesn't happen all that often, though, in comparison to the Pelicans, where Zion is a a walking magnet for the free throw line. Brandon Ingram has got considerably better at taking contact, so you can see that reflected here in the statistics. Uh, The Grizzlies scored just 13 free throws on 15 attempts, so a good percentage. Uh, The Pelicans shooting a much worse percentage, just 61.5% from the field, but they made 24 out of 39. So the the Grizzlies... uh, didn't even have half the three-point attempts. 15 to nearly 40 attempts from the free-throw line. Uh, the Pelicans also out-rebounding them uh, significantly, 65 to 53. Other than that, they weren't all that dissimilar uh, on other ends of the floor. The, the Pelicans had like no blocks in comparison to the Grizzlies. The turnovers were about the same. Pelicans had more points on the fast break. They had more points at the free-throw line, and that's ultimately where the Grizzlies failed here. Their offense wasn't able to generate enough attempts at the free-throw line. They couldn't generate in the fast break, which is a lot of what they like to do with Ja getting up and running. 
So that's disappointing that they, they weren't able to capitalize on some of those opportunities with the Grizzlies now starting their run in the bubble 0-3 with more and more teams chasing that 9 seed now. The Pelicans coming up for it, the Blazers coming up for it, the Spurs even coming up for it. Who knows if <laughs> the Kings, the Suns, I don't know. It's looking more and more daunting for the Grizzlies. I would be a little bit concerned now if I were their fans. You're going to want a really, really big offensive performance from them. We've seen Ja playing out of his mind every other game. I think that it's unfortunate that he happened to have an off game now because no doubt we're going to hear all of these things now where uh, Ja is going to win Rookie of the Year, which he deserves. But you're going to hear... Oh, but what happened when Jar and Zion went against each other? Zion was great. Jar choked. Jar didn't, Jar didn't choke, in my opinion. I think he just had a bad game. Tomorrow, the Jazz are going to play uh, the Grizzlies, so we'll get to see an opportunity for the Grizz there. Uh, the Jazz, another team who have had real issues on the offensive end of the floor, which we're about to jump into. So hopefully that will give the, will give the Grizz an opportunity. I don't know. The Jazz is a really good defensive team. Hopefully, the Grizzlies can come out swinging and get their first win in the bubble. Okay, let's finally move on to our last game from yesterday. Let's talk about Lakers-Jazz. We won't spend too much time on this game because it was, I, in my opinion, a dominant performance from the Lakers. Uh, I didn't feel uh, worried about them winning at any point in the game, despite the fact that it was very close up until uh, the half. I felt like the Lakers were in control, ultimately, uh, they've now clinched that one seed in the West, beating the Jazz 116-108 to here in regulation. Uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis playing huge minutes. LeBron playing 35, Anthony Davis playing 39, both of them looking really good. LeBron uh, still being keen to dish out plenty to Anthony Davis. I don't think he's wanting to really turn it to 100% yet, which is what I mentioned uh, two days ago. Uh, I think that LeBron is definitely saving himself to ramp up in the playoffs, whereas AD is kind of ramped up now just to show that off. But I think that now that they've clinched the one seed, we can expect to see Anthony Davis and LeBron playing significantly less minutes. Uh, well, not necessarily significantly, but probably 30, and they're not going to care about winning as much. I think depending on how close the game is, because LeBron is so competitive that Maybe he will want to win a couple more games just to make a statement more so. But I think that they're definitely going to be pleased now that they can relax a little more with that one seed locked up. So let's break down that box score really quickly. Anthony Davis had 42 points, a dominant performance from him. 13 for 28 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, and a block. Uh... In an, a really impressive game from him, especially given the fact that he was being guarded by two-time Defensive Player of the Year, Rudy Gobert, for much of the game. Uh, LeBron, 22 points, 9 of 16 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3. Only made it to the free throw line two times, which is pretty unusual for LeBron, but not bad for him because, you know, he doesn't love to shoot free throws. He also had 9 assists, 8 rebounds, 2 steals, and a block. So good, good overall game for LeBron. Not particularly high scoring as we've uh, come to expect in these first couple games in the bubble, but you can absolutely expect that he's going to ramp that up. Other than that, good team performance from the Lakers. JaVale McGee having a rough night. He had zero points. Danny Green still continuing to shoot the ball badly from three. It was actually curious. We saw a lot of times Danny Green 
would have what looked like an open corner three, and he would choose the uh, pump fake dribble uh, a couple steps in and then go for a floater or a layup rather than taking the three-point. So I don't know if Danny Green's confidence is a little lower right now. Contavious Caldwell-Pope had 10 points. Dwight Howard had 11 points. Uh, Dion Waiters, 7 points, so not a bad performance from him. And, and that does it for the Lakers, really, other than that couple of points here and there but nothing too big to report on other than that for the jazz uh continuing to struggle somewhat on the offensive end of the floor they had a great night from donovan mitchell which they've desperately needed he had 33 points on 9 of 22 shooting from the field 4 of 10 from 3 and 11 of 12 from that charity stripe with five rebounds and four assists uh, other than that, Mike Conley had a good game. Been really nice to see Mike Conley come back into form, playing at a good level with the Jazz right now, and they absolutely need him to be doing that if they're going to have any hope on the offensive end of the floor. He went at 8 of 17 from the field, 3 of 9 from 3, uh, also grabbed 2 rebounds and dished out 8 assists. Uh, Rudy Gobert had 16 points, went 6 of 6 from the field, so great performance by him there. Uh, 13 rebounds and two assists, doing exactly what the Jazz needed him to do on the offensive end of the floor. And, you know, doing what he could to contain contain Anthony Davis. But when you've got Anthony Davis, the seven-footer, hitting a step-back three over Rudy Gobert out in the perimeter, I can't blame Rudy there. There's there's not a terrible amount that he could do. Uh, Honestly, not that much to break down in this game, in my opinion. The Lakers are just a better team than the Jazz, a team that's been really struggling on the offensive end of the floor. And again, where where their big issue came was from that three-point shooting, which we've been talking about since they've been missing Bogdanovich, who is sitting out of this restart. And boy, have they been missing him from the three-point line. The Jazz shot just 28% from the free-throw line last night. Lakers, not significantly better, 35%, but still enough, you know? That that's enough to be a, a big enough difference that for a, for a team like the Jazz that has been so stagnant on the offensive end of the floor, you need your three point shooting to be better than that. You're a great defensive team. That's that's where your your root is. I think that if the Jazz have any hope of making it further in the playoffs, then is what is expected of them, which is probably a first round exit with everyone in the West really hoping that their first round comes up against the Jazz. Um, or, or second round, if you're a, a higher seed. If you're going to continue to to be the Jazz team that you are now, and if you're not going to be shooting it well from three, you need to just lock in as a defensive unit, in my mind. You need to be, we are going to completely dominate on the defensive end of the floor, and then will let Donovan Mitchell and will let Mike Conley do their thing on the offense and try and work around that. But if you're going to be shooting like that from three, you've got to find that identity somewhere. And I think that for the Jazz, it has to be on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Because other than that, they had more turnovers uh, than the Lakers, who obviously also have a really great defense. They had uh, less fast break points, so they're not getting out and running well. They had less points in the paint. They had more fouls. So, you know, there there were points in the game where the Jazz were ahead, but ultimately I felt really confident in the Lakers throughout. Jazz have been struggling in this time in the bubble. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Jazz get bounced out in the first round of the playoffs. So that's going to do it for our recaps of yesterday's games. Let's talk a little bit quickly about what you can expect coming up for today, August 4th. So today at 1.30, you have Nets versus Bucks, which should be a blowout game for the Bucks, specifically given that the Nets don't have Jarrett Allen and Karis LeVert. And also they would have been blown out anyway, even if they did have that going on. Um, I don't know how many minutes you'll see like Giannis play, for example, hopefully... Or if you're the Bucks, you would hope that he wouldn't have to play that many. Uh, given the fact that this is such a weak opponent, you probably want him out there for 25 to 30, his, his typical amount, get that win done quickly. Now, if you have League Pass, here's a game that I actually think you should check out, Mavericks at Kings. I think that the Mavs will lose this game, and I think they're going to continue this losing streak that they have in the bubble, as much as it pains me to say. But the Kings gave the Mavs real trouble during the season in a lot of very close games the Mavs won able to close which if you've been listening to my previous episodes or watching the bubble restart you know how familiar that uh trait has been to the Mavs since being in Orlando and what they've continued uh that trait throughout the season they really struggle to close games uh I don't think they do what's best for them in close game situations I don't think they always have the best lineups out there in close game situations and I think the Kings are actually going to win this game I think that it will be if it's close or even if it's within 10 for the last 10 minutes I can absolutely see the Kings making a late run and actually um beating the Mavericks there so I, I would be willing to watch that game I think that the Mavs are really hungry for a win I think it would be incredibly disheartening for them to take another loss here in Orlando. So uh, watch out for a good game there. Suns at Clippers. I think that you can expect the Clippers to to deal with the Suns without too much of an issue. But then what do I know? The Suns took on the Mavs and beat them. DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker both looking really good. But I think Kawhi and Paul George uh, will be able to lock down. Pat Bev uh, should be able to lock down Devin Booker a good amount too if you want to put him there. I think that should be a relatively easy win for the Clippers. Magic at Pacers. Hopefully we'll continue to see great play from TJ Warren. I think that TJ Warren might be your bubble player to watch for a while. He's in a little bit of Lin Sanity mode. He obviously had his 53-point game, but then he also dropped 34. So who knows what's happening with TJ Warren. Maybe it's something in the water in Orlando. Good for him. I hope he continues having a good game. Uh, continuously having these phenomenal performances. Really fun to watch. Celtics at Heat. A big one for both teams. The Heat coming off of, obviously, that disappointing loss uh, against the Raptors yesterday. They'll be hoping to bounce back. Jason Tatum will be hoping to continue the great performance that he showed off in that last Celtics game. Um, I think that you can expect to see that. I think that now that he's had that haircut, I think that we'll continue to see the Jason Tatum that we came to expect toward the end of the season or before the hiatus that we took. Hopefully, um, the Heat will find a better offensive presence this game. Hopefully, yesterday was just a fluke for those three-point shooters and they'll be back at it. And I think it'll be really interesting, actually, to see what both of those teams are able to do on the defensive end of the floor. And my game to watch for the day, Rockets versus Trailblazers. If you can only watch one game today, I highly recommend you watch that. The Trailblazers had to play so many minutes for their stars uh, in the last game they played against the Celtics. 
They need some wins right now. Damian Lillard is playing absolutely out of his mind. He is on like a 30 to 40 point per game watch every single game. So I highly recommend that you tune in because James Harden has been playing like a madman himself. Expect unreal offense and hopefully Nurkic is able to stay out there for a significant amount of time because I'd be really interested to see how he's able to defend against the Rockets and the way that they attack the paint. Um, obviously, they shoot a lot of threes, but they are able to get inside the paint. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see how Nurkic um, is able to deal with that. So that's your uh, quick preview for today's matchups. I hope you enjoy the games. I hope you've enjoyed listening. I would really appreciate it if you could, uh, if you've been enjoying Don't Burst My Bubble, if you could tell friends, uh, anyone you know who likes basketball, if you could share this on social media, it would mean the world to me. I'm having a really great time making these, and I hope you've had a fun time listening. I will be back here uh, tomorrow to break down all of those games that we've had today, as well as giving you your daily injury report and preview for the next day's games. Thank you so much for listening. I will speak to you tomorrow. This has been Don't Burst My Bubble.